I was reminded in worship, the first service, like this house was literally founded upon worship. Like even um, just people who hear about a church are like, yeah, I hear like the worship is so good and stuff. And I remember when we were status and we were back at Discovery Church and we started organically encountering the Holy Spirit. Most of us had no clue what the Holy Spirit was. And we started encountering his presence. And I remember one of our pastors actually walked up. I'm leading worship that night. And I was on piano and he's like, hey, we can't stop this. And we were three songs in to the first set and we were like, we only have two more songs, and that was supposed to be after the message. But we just kept going, and there ended up not even being a message because the Lord was so thick in that room. And it had nothing to do with the way that we were leading worship. It had everything to do with us singing as one voice in the presence of the Lord coming. I just want to increase our faith tonight that that's what the Lord's going to do. It's not just about musical worship, but we're going to partake in it, and God wants to do awesome things. So who's ready for that? Yeah? All right, um, I'm going to start just praying, and Lord, we recognize that you're already in this room. You're already in this room. You inhabit upon the praises of your people. Yeah, that you're not just this far-off God, but you're literally God with us. God with us. So we ask for your manifest presence to be so tangible tonight that you would stir in us, that it would be our joy to want to make music to you because you love it. It moves your heart. That we're going to spend eternity going back and forth between shouting our praise and singing our praise, and we were created to make music to you, whether or not even in the natural we can like sing a note. Like we are, We're created to sing to you. So Lord, I just ask for a faith and an increase increase of faith and hope that we're not going to just talk about your presence coming, but you're actually going to come. And we're going to learn how to take on our true identity as worshipers, as people who adore you at all times, not just Sunday night, who pay attention to you, who want to sit at your feet and minister to you because you're worthy of all of our affection and adoration. Yeah, so let joy be in the atmosphere, freedom and laughter for us to be free to be ourselves even when receiving this message, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so probably about three years ago, I began a journey with the Lord um, where he started showing me what happens when his presence comes and how he uses musical worship um, as such a, a tool and a vehicle um, for heaven to come. And I remember um, something that happened to me individually, not even in a corporate setting. I worked at a restaurant for six years, and these people, like pretty much no one knew God. Valley actually worked with me. She can contest for that. Um, and they would be so annoyed any time that I would bring up Jesus. I'm like, hey guys, what are you doing this Sunday? You want to come to church? And then I would just start telling them about Jesus. And at some point, they just shut down every single conversation. They're like, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I remember this one specific night, I was invited to a birthday party. It was the bartender's birthday party, and she was having a bonfire. And so I went to this party, and I was there for about an hour, 
Um, and we're sitting at this fire, and over and over and over again, the bartender's like, hey, you should pass Janae the guitar. She sings and plays. And I just kept shutting her down, like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And so I just kept saying, I only know songs that I play at my church. I don't know any songs. And they're like, I like church. Do you like church? Great, you're going to play. So... <laughs> All right, so eventually I took the guitar and I started out just with intentions of singing a song just to get her to be quiet. She was a birthday girl. And it wasn't long before I started being led into worship. Like I start singing this song. I want to sit at your feet. I want to drink from the cup of your hand. I want to lay back against you and breathe. I want to feel your heartbeat. And this song is a song that I've encountered the Lord so many times in my bedroom. They're like, when I went to this bonfire, it carried something when I started to sing it. And I start singing out this song, and it wasn't, like, probably a minute into the song, my eyes are closed. I always play when I'm, like, or I always close my eyes when I'm playing. My eyes were closed, and it starts getting quieter and quieter. And I was like, ooh, they're listening. They just keep going. And then the Holy Spirit's like, hey, just so you know, it's not getting quieter because they're staring at you they're actually encountering my peace. And so about five minutes in, the Lord's like, keep worshiping, keep worshiping, I'm doing stuff. I just keep singing and it just gets quieter and quieter. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that five minutes in, it was dead silence. Like 30 people who came to this place to have a bonfire and play beer pong are now officially encountering the presence of the Lord. And it is dead silence. And the Lord's like, just keep singing. And so I just keep singing, and like um, after dead silence, someone just breaks the silence. It's like, man, I just got nostalgia. I just, like, I just remembered 10 years ago when I was involved in youth group. And then another person started talking about like missing church. It's like, yeah, that makes me miss church. And they're sitting here talking about missing church. But what they didn't know is they were actually missing the times that they encountered the presence of the Lord. You know? And they, they associate it with church. I associate it with the presence of the Lord. And all these conversations started erupting about Jesus. And they're like, do you know what church she goes to? And then my coworkers, who I've invited them a lot, were like, oh, I think she goes to. And they knew exactly what church I go to. (laughs) And I'm just singing. I do not even remotely take part in these conversations. And I just remember going home that night, and I was weeping. And the Lord was like, Janae, I'm about to blow your mind when it comes to what I do in musical worship. The pressure is off. You sing. You take on your role as a worshiper, and I'm going to release heaven through you. That's what I want to talk to you guys tonight about. I don't want to talk about the logical reasons of why we sing as much as I want to talk about what happens when we do sing, when we take on our true identity. All of eternity, we're going to be singing a song. So we better start now. And and not out of a place of obligation as much as it's our joy. I'm in love. I'm in love, and I want to sing to him because that's what he loves. My first point is God loves music. It moves his heart when his children sing and make music to him. And not only does he love when we sing to him, but he actually sings over us. Zephaniah 3.17 says he will exalt over you with loud singing. So we sing to him, and he sings over us. It's this mutual, mutual exchange. I remember um, last year I was sitting on my porch playing guitar again and no one was around and the Holy Spirit was like, Janae, 
did you know that this is my favorite time with you? When no one is looking and you're ministering to me, you're singing to me, this is my love language. And it no longer was this place of like, I just need to sing because I need a breakout of depression. I need to sing because I need breakthrough. It was like, oh my gosh, this is what you love. So I'm going to do it because you love it. I was talking to Lander this week, and he used such a good example. He's like, you know, I see music um, in musical worship as romance. Like, when you talk, if you look at a marriage, okay, and you talk to a husband, and he's like, you know, I don't really like taking my wife to dinner. It just makes me feel weird. It's not like my go-to. I don't really feel like I'm good at it. It's not comfortable. It's like, okay, you might not like, like taking your wife out to dinner, but does she? Does she like going out to dinner? Because sometimes in a romance, we actually partake in something that we don't necessarily want to, but because we love the person and they love it, we do it. And that's our joy. And that's kind of like singing. It's like, even if you can't sing a note, I'm convinced that God loves when you sing to him. He's like, you're awesome, you're bold, that you don't care what people think about you. And if you do, we just speak that off in Jesus' name, fear of man. He's, he, he, his assessment has nothing to do with our assessment. He just loves the heart of it when you make a melody to him. It's the, the combination of the emotional connection with the rhythm, with the melody, with the harmony, with the unity. It's all of it. And even if you're not good at it, he's like, I love you and you're awesome. Keep going. It's like, and then there's levels of expressing, okay? Like, Lander said this, in a romance, you know, you could text someone, I love you. Or you could say, eye to eye, I love you. Or you could act, I love you, now let me take you out to dinner. And in worship, you know, we could say, God, I love you. Or we could shout, God, I love you. Or we could lift our hands and say, God, I love you. Or we can sing, I love you. You know, like we can clap, I love you. We can dance, I love you. There's new ways of expressing, and there's no formula. The only agenda is that we lock eyes with the Lord, and we never look away. And then out of that, expression comes. There are people in this room who their spirit is so longing to dance before the Lord, but they're bound by fear of man. I just want to speak freedom to you tonight, to clap, to yell, to shout. To even be free to get on your face. It's okay. You don't have to make a scene. You can be quiet before the Lord too. There's just freedom to be you in worship and express the way that you want to express. Like the best picture we have of that is David. Ryan mentioned this last week. David, King David in scripture, would strip down to his underwear. He'd bring all the musicians with him and he would dance before the Lord in the streets. Okay, 2 Samuel, Samuel 6.22 says, Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to look humiliated in my own eyes. He's like, I don't care, whatever it takes, however I can express, and he just goes crazy. His wife, it actually says that his wife was embarrassed and filled with contempt for him. He's like, I'm in love, and I gotta sing it. I am bursting at the seams for my love for the Lord. No fear of man there. Psalm 98, shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing praises to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. 
Let the sea and everything in it shout for praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. It's like a pretty good expression or examples of expression. We clap, we sing, and then it's also unity. It's like the hills join in and the heavens and the earth join in and we're all meant to sing out one song, one song to one God. We also see like um, in the Tabernacle of David, First Corinthians, or why did I say First Corinthians? First Chronicles, big difference, 16. You know, David basically set up this tent where they moved the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of the Lord was contained in the Ark of the Covenant. And they moved this Ark of the Covenant into this tent. And he hired 24-7 worship leaders and musicians to day and night minister to the Lord. The prayer houses that we're seeing explode all around the nation, that's nothing new. That actually is in scripture to minister to him day and night. And it's actually believed that David would show up to the tent seven times a day to minister to the Lord. Um, Psalm 119 says, seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous laws. And this wasn't David like showing up to the tent singing the same song over and over and over again. It was an expression of his complete interaction and intimacy with God. And he was singing out the now moments of God. What is God currently doing in my heart? That's why he constantly would say in the Psalms to sing out a new song, a fresh song. And they're always, like if you look in scripture, a song is always connected to victory. It either goes before or after. And I can guarantee that they weren't singing out Hillsong or a song that was already written. They were singing out specifically like, you just split the sea and now I'm going to sing about you splitting the sea. And it's learning to sing out the now moments of God. And I wanted to take time to explain that because like in Ephesians um, 5.19, it says, sing to one another in psalms and hymns, which are songs that are already written, and spiritual songs, and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Spiritual songs is actually a song that is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's God's song sung through you. And you see so many times in Scripture where that actually takes place. We're going to, um, Cole and I wrote this song. We wanted to write a song that basically teaches people how to sing out a new song, how to listen to the Lord, and then release a prophetic song. So we're going to do that tonight. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, we just need to learn how to sing out the now moments of God, and I'm convinced that it's going to shift atmospheres and it's going to bring breakthrough. It's good stuff. And also, we don't sing um, in order to get something from God. Like, we know when we sing to God, like if you look at David, victory followed him everywhere that he went, okay? But David wasn't singing or ministering to God in order to get something. When we sing to God in order to get something, that's called flattery. I looked up the definition of flattery. It's excessive and insincere praise, especially that given to further one's own interest. We're not singing to God in order to get the victory. We're just singing to him because he's worthy and every part of him deserves our affection and our praise. I think it's really important to get that before I get to the next point. Because God's so good, he's so good that when he teaches us how to love him, and we actually partake in it for the sake of loving on him and singing to him and making music to him, that the benefits are endless. They're endless. 
The Lord's presence inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord's presence actually dwells in the praises of his people. And when his presence comes, heaven comes. Heaven comes. When you look at, Psalm 22 says, the Lord inhabits upon the praises of his people. When you look at releasing a sound, like I just asked myself this, Lander actually challenged me with this. He's like, what do you think you're talking about when you say release a sound? And at first I was stumped. I was like, I don't know. But this is the conclusion that I came to with the help of some people. It's vibrations within you released into an entire space, empowered by the Holy Spirit and melody, okay? Sometimes melody. We can also shout. So vibrations in the air into an entire space, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is taking spiritual things, because I'm releasing the Spirit, it's taking spiritual things and releasing it into the natural realm and bringing heaven to earth when we release a sound. And if you actually look at the word shout, when David says shout to the Lord, most of the time that word translates to war cry. War cry. We are like straight up releasing a war cry, telling all evil, whatever is going on in this room that isn't meant to be here, that isn't heaven. We're releasing a war cry and we're saying, hey, the battle has already been won, now leave. Second Chronicles, you see like Jehoshaphat, he's the king at the time. He gets word that um, basically there's an army coming against him and he goes before the Lord and the Lord says, hey, the battle's already been won. Just send your musicians and your worshipers out onto the front lines. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Like they're not armed. They're armed solely with their song. And they go out and it actually says in scripture that the armies turned and started fighting against one another and all they did was sing. When we come together and we sing as one voice and we individually sing in our own lives, we're releasing a war cry that the battle has already been won. That's good stuff. It's good stuff. Joel 3:16. This is so good. The Lord roars from Zion. If you look at Zion, it's a literal reference to Jerusalem and to Israel. Israel. It's also in talking in prophetic, it's prophetically, it's talking about the people of God, Israel, and we are grafted in. Therefore, we are Zion. So the Lord roars from Zion. The Lord roars from his bride and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. All of heaven breaks loose when we release a cry as one voice, as the bride. So what happens when heaven comes? Number one, unity happens. Unity happens. If you look at the word universe, I know this is self-explanatory, but I didn't actually know that universe translates to one song. So God spoke one song into existence. If you look at Psalm 98 again, it's like, let the hills clap their hands. Let the earth and the heavens sing. And the whole, all of creation has its part in releasing a song of praise to the Lord. The Lord spoke one song into existence. And like when you look at John 17, it's like Jesus praying to the Father, saying, I Father, I pray that they are one as you and I are one. And then the world will know that you sent me. 
Jesus is saying when they come together and there's unity, and specifically in musical worship, this is what I'm talking about, as we sing out as one voice, the world will know who Jesus is. Jesus is revealed. One of my favorite stories of Jesus being revealed within worship, um, I was listening to a podcast a couple years ago. I just was like, God, you're doing crazy things with worship, and I just want to know about it. And so I just started like listening to podcast after podcast of people giving testimonies of what the Lord was doing around the nations, like not just America, but the nations. And let me just say, like they, I've heard so many stories of the worshipers going out on the front lines of ISIS and ground being taken back from ISIS solely because they came and they worshiped. Things are happening. Start increasing your ears and your eyes and asking the Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing in the world, not just in our nation? So this specific story wrecked me. The Lord's like, no more seeker-friendly. Okay, I'll tell you the story. All right, so this guy, Sean Foy, if you want to hear awesome stories, listen to him. He was telling a story of how he was in D.C., and they were doing a 24-hour worship gathering, and they were doing it right across the street from a mosque. So they're in this worship gathering, and they are worshiping for hours, And about 3 a.m., these two Muslims walk out of a mosque, and they hear, like, this loud sound. And they walk into the worship service, and Sean, at that point in the story, was like, guys, this is no time for people who don't know what's going on to walk into a worship service. Because about 3 in the morning, no one's thinking that the lost are in that room, and they need to explain things. So they're, like, running around screaming, you're worthy, God, you're worthy. And, like, people are singing and speaking in tongues, and they're just, like, going to town in worship. And, like, the order is chaos, basically, at 3 in the morning. Okay, so these Muslims walk in, and people are like, that's cool, keep going. They don't even acknowledge them, okay? So they sit in the back and straight up spectate for three hours. And Sean said that at six in the morning, they saw the two Muslims get up and walk to the altar, lay on the floor, and give their lives to Jesus. Come on. The best part is no one said a word to them. No one said a word to them because the Holy Spirit's job is to seek and save the lost. Guys, when we create an environment where Jesus says the world will know who I am in their unity, when we create an environment where we are unified and we sing out as one voice and then the Spirit comes, the Spirit will seek and save the lost. And I'm not negating the importance of giving the gospel with our words. Trust me, that's huge. But Jesus, we leak the knowledge of the fragrance of Jesus when we are unified. There's something different that the world doesn't have when they come in and they see unity. So this is the best part of the night. Are you ready? Brace yourself. We had a similar story happen um, in our very own church. A girl in my small group who's not here tonight gave me permission to share this story, but she actually grew up in an Islamic family. Um, And also, side note, if you do know her, keep this off social media. Don't comment. Um, Because she is in a very strict Islamic family. Her parents are strongly devoted in the faith. And about six months ago, she was invited to City Beautiful, And out of curiosity, she came and 
she didn't tell her family or anything. And out of curiosity, she walks into these doors. And it's so cool listening to her tell her story because she's like, I was so intrigued. Like, my first question was, you guys sing to your God? Like, she, you sing to your God? And she grew up singing. She grew up in choirs and taking voice lessons. And something from the very beginning drew her to this. So out of curiosity, for three months, she keeps coming, sitting in the front row, just spectating. And three months into it, she's like, Jesus is the real God. Jesus is the real God. And she gave her life to Jesus. And she's in our small group. And I got permission to share her story, but I actually got a little video clip of her. So here you go. <laughs> hey guys, it's Sophie for those who don't already know me. Um, I'm so sorry I couldn't be there this Sunday. I'm actually at a wedding in Texas, but I'm super excited that Janae is sharing my story with you guys. Um, and I'm so looking forward to being with you guys next Sunday so we can all worship together and just love Jesus all together. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Man, let's just give a word a hand. God, we just asked you for more of that word. More of that. Ah, there's so many people that will encounter Jesus if we just simply even invite them into this realm because something is different when the Spirit of God is here. So not only is there unity and Jesus is revealed, but the whole atmosphere shifts. And when I say atmosphere, I'm talking about everything in the seen realm, what I can physically touch and what I can see, but also in the unseen realm. Because there's stuff going on in the unseen realm. There's angels, there's demons, there's dynamics even. There's offense. There's um, stuff that does not belong in heaven. There's addictions, there's infirmities, there's illness. And when people walk into an atmosphere where the presence is so thick, darkness has to leave. We, we need to create an environment in faith, believing that as we just simply adore the Lord, that the addict's going to walk in, they're going to encounter the presence of the Lord and be delivered from addiction. David would play his harp. In 1 Samuel, he would play his harp for Saul. He was hired just to play for Saul, who had a tormenting spirit upon him. And when David would play the harp, he would release the spirit of God, and the, this evil spirit would leave. Deliverance happens. The whole atmosphere shifts. I love this story in scripture of Paul and Silas in prison. This is a literal thing that happened. It's also metaphorical for what God does when we sing to him. Um, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I keep having those moments. I'm like, seriously? This is a metaphorical picture of every person who walks into this room, and even when we take our song out there, out to Orlando, out to the streets, when we take our song, prison doors are unlocked and chains fall off, and people get healed, and they encounter Jesus. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we were created for? We weren't just created... Actually, we were originally created only, like basically to just adore and sing to God, but now we have the Great Commission. And making disciples 
is heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And that happens when we usher in the presence of God. It has nothing to do with our words. It has everything to do with the Spirit of God being. It's the person of the Holy Spirit that does the work. You know? Let's just stand together. Yeah, I want to end by sharing this story. We have a girl um, that is a very beloved friend in our community, and she was diagnosed with cancer about three years ago. So much happened three years ago. That's awesome. She was diagnosed with cancer, and we were worshiping in the Church Street Ballroom. Um, And she didn't tell many people that she was diagnosed with cancer at all. She just believed in faith that it was going to leave. And that night in worship, it was really thick. The presence of the Lord was there. We were just singing, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. And this girl gets a really bad headache. And she walks out. The headache is so bad that she walks out and she throws up and she hears this loud pop in her ear. And something in her was like, I'm healed. I'm healed. No one prayed over her. She just believed, I'm healed. And she goes to the doctor the next day, and she's like, I need an MRI. And they're like, well, your insurance already paid for an MRI. We know you have cancer. And she's like, I'll pay for it out of pocket. She pays for it out of pocket, and the doctor calls her within a couple hours and was like, we don't know what happened to the tumor, but it's gone. Yeah. So in faith, God, we thank you that when we sing and we make music to you for the sole purpose of that's what we were created to do, God, that heaven comes. Heaven comes. And we see, we see your glory. And we see the lost come to know who Jesus is. We see the broken and the weary encounter wholeness and healing. And we see the depressed encounter joy. We see the anxious encounter peace. So Lord, teach us how to sing. Teach us how to take on our role as a worshiper, as a person who was just created to adore the Lord at all times. We want to have time for you. We want to make time for you. We want to pay attention to you wherever we go. It's our joy because we're in love. We're in love. Yeah, let's just start singing out a song to the Lord. Let's just sing what the Lord is specifically doing in your heart. Even a song of thankfulness.